podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. You know what occurred to me just now? Yeah. We never beam into the podcast. I think I raised it early on in the podcast. Well, I think that we just start the podcast on the ship, and that's just, everyone's going to deal with that. Right. It does raise the question of what exactly is our relationship to the ship we're beaming off of? We leave at the end. <laughs> Assume we're not the crew. I think whatever we're, whatever ship we're on is in orbit over Earth, and we're just visiting. Right. We're going We're going to be an away team when we beam yeah. off at the end. Well, no, I think we're just going back to our homes. I feel like we're like... We're uh, beaming back to our quarters because we're, like, we're lazy. We're children who uh, like get teams. a little wish and like... Every so often, the Starfleet vessel lets us on board, oh. and we just talk about it. I prefer to think of us as lower-ranking crew members. Sure. Constantly who, commenting who on what's going on. Just do podcasts. Right. On the ship. There, Look, there would be a ship-wide podcast. There's a 20th right? century historian on the ship. There can be two <laughs> podcasters on the uh, ship. Welcome to Star Trek, the next conversation. I'm Matt Myra. I'm Andrew Secunda. Guys, it is a big-time episode for everybody. It's a... It's a touchstone of the Star Trek The Next Generation canon. It really is. I kind of I knew what was going to happen, um, if for no other reason than I know. But we're, we're just into spoiler territory. We're here, right? Yeah, spoiler just, alert. Yeah. Skin of Evil, everybody. Yeah. So I already spoiled it. Right. Three in, in a previous, ago. Yeah, yeah. previous episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, I knew because I'd seen a, uh, a couple of later episodes, and uh, and uh, she ain't in them. <laughs> <laughs> Very so, true. Very, so very something true. Something happened to her. Uh, yeah, I guess that's. Uh, now, do you know? Yes. Do we even? I don't even What's know if question? we get into this now. This was because Denise Crosby. Uh, Denise Crosby checks out in this episode. To, she does. Uh, so I think was, she just checks out to Pet Cemetery, uh-huh. thinking that. There will be more Pet Cemeteries, right? She thought she was going to be a movie star. In a way, she was correct. There was a sequel to Pet Cemetery. Okay. However, I don't believe she's in it. <laughs> Do you think she was? Because uh, I know that I had read something about that. It was it was issues of um, you know cons- you know she felt like her her character wasn't being served that much, which you could, is a very strong argument for that. Cause it's very erratic in every, I think for every single character in this show, that's the problem with an ensemble. Yes. You might not feel like you're getting, so I think this is very much, let's talk about this when we talk about the episode. Okay. So no problem. in the meantime, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, what are we doing? Opening hailing frequencies first. Uh, I think we do uh Admiral's club first. Let's do it. Um, these are our our listeners that are nice enough to go and give us a five star rating on. Uh, Brought to you by American Airlines, the Admirals Club. <laughs> we're not in any way. <laughs> we were happy to. We're happy to American Airlines. Please seems like a very natural. It just fits right in. Natural uh, sponsorship. We would hope part of that perk would be that we could get into the Admirals Club. Are you already in the Admirals Club in American Airlines? Uh, I Matthew. my American Airlines Platinum Citibank card will get me in there. We're really pushing a lot of products for. Of an unsponsored For, podcast. Well, I think if we pretend they're our sponsor, they'll have to sponsor <laughs> that us. Seems reasonable. Um, anyhow, here are some some comments from a few of our fans. 
Um, Excel 1001 writes, let them suffer for you. Love Star Trek TNG. <laughs> Have a hard time sitting through the first two seasons? Sit down and let Matt and Andy give you the recaps as they break down each episode. This may not be the podcast structure. This may not be a podcast structured like others, but may- they make up for it in their unpreparedness. <laughs> watching the whole series with these guys makes it even more fun. Uh, this is from DBGSMM. <laughs> um... Matt and Andy sitting in a tree talking about Star Trek TNG. Oh, it rhymed. It did. Uh, I love the podcast. Between Matt's knowledge and Andy's theories, it's quite fun. And uh, guys, listen from AZ Goat. If anyone suggests listening to a Star Trek podcast that isn't STTNC, shut that idea down faster (laughs) than if Worf himself suggested it. That's amazing. There you go. That's the Admirals Club. If you'd like to get in the Admirals Club, all you have to do is leave us a five-star review on iTunes, and you could be joining us in the Cushy Admirals Club. Captain, Captain, we are being hailed. Um, So our hails are now open, and... um, It's about time. um, First off, uh, we got a a note from uh, Dave Strand, who I believe left us a $20 donation... Which, oh, is this supposed to help with Felicium? No, he uh, he did not want to help with our fake uh, <laughs> with, our, with our fake causes. <laughs> you know, a lot of a lot of addicted people on that planet. We'd like to help each of them. We discovered from one of our from someone giving us a donation that we didn't ask for that you can donate to SDTNCPod at Gmail uh, through PayPal. Um, he said, I have an idea for your podcast. Since everyone seems to have an opinion about the order of your podcast, I will send you twenty dollars from. Um, if you can start uh, one episode within five minutes of the of the start of the episode, so I don't have to futz around with my phone while driving to work to skip the emails and whatnot. Well, I think with that twenty dollars donation, we should just do it. You just want to skip the emails because I was going to say to him, "Sorry, we can't do that," but we appreciate it, and I'm giving dignifying your. He, I'm going to say one should say that Matt hates the emails. It's clearly it's become it's more and more clear them. over time. I love everyone who listens, and I love everyone that writes in, but I understand someone not wanting to listen to them. Um, can I make a counter offer and just do Prime Corrective? Is this a counter offer? This is your counter offer. This is my counter offer to you. Well, it's really. I'm not. De- I'm not, to deal I'm not with negotiating with Dave Strand. Dave Strand. He really has donated came it. It's already done. Dave, I'm trying to give you what you want. <laughs> I'm saying I will skip the calls and all that. So now maybe no this is the way. people call in. People get in a bidding war. About people call in and that. they want to be heard. <laughs> okay. So how about saying. how about a compromise for all? Okay. We'll play the voicemails. All right. Fair enough. I'm trying, Dave. Here we go. Oh, this is one of those moments where we're not prepared. You're right. Well, people love it. People don't love it. No, they probably don't. They say it's charming a lot, like very polite people. Keeping a bated breath for the next episode. Oh, oh the end come of one. now. Let me beam hey, in someone man, who knows Andy, what they're uh, doing. Boyd, I'm from Texas. Big fan of the show. Grew up watching TNG. As a little kid, even had the toy phaser. Uh, wanted to talk about symbiosis a bit. I had it, too. Um, I kind of agree with Sorry. the theory. I'll have the discussion about left-wing uh, versions of the story or right-wing. I think this is a classic Republican say no to drugs especially when you talk about the two planets one's technologically superior and you know 
they're the ones who succumb to the drug addiction, much like the United States is you know, technologically superior, and who's supplying mm -hmm. the drugs to the United States, mm -hmm. those countries that are perceived to be less technologically superior by most Americans, like Colombia, you know, Central America, those places like that. So I think they're like really just hitting that hard Nancy and Ronnie Reagan uh, message there. Anyway, I just want to add my two cents there, guys. Uh, I love the show, and I'm keeping keeping a bated breath for the next episode. Thanks, guys. Bye. Interestingly, on Google Voice, two cents is highlighted, I assume, so I could pay two cents to someone if I wanted to. <laughs> That's a uh, good voicemail. Um, yeah, that was from Matt. Um, uh, here's another one, guys. Uh, damn it. Screw everything. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm sorry so, to I'm the children. I'm embarrassed for us. I'm embarrassed for anyone listening. I'm embarrassed if you've recommended this hey, podcast Matt to a friend. Hey, this is Marcus from Phoenix. I have nothing to add to the show. I'm just super excited that you got this awesome new number. Super <laughs> easy to remember. 816-TREK-TNC. Thought I'd give it a call and check it out. Keep up the great work. Thank you. See, just our number being more memorable is causing people to call in. It's a deluge of call-ins. It is nice. Um, and uh, FYI, that is 816-TREK-TNC. If you want to email us, um, your email may or may not get read, depending on how much people Depends are donating. on how much money <laughs> come, is coming in. And from which side, you yeah. know. Yeah. Maybe it's whoever outbids. If someone wants to send us a donation and ask that only their email get read, See, now I feel it might like, happen. Who knows? I feel like we're just holding our poor listeners hostage now. But uh, send us an email to sdtncpod at gmail.com. Our Instagram and Twitter is, uh, they're both at Star Trek. TNC, um, and uh, now we have a um, a prime corrective. Let's oh, hear it. I long for a time for a retrospective. Truth is our objective. For a what? Person to do this for you. So, uh, so many people responded to the uh, Star Trek discussion of uh, Tantooine Tatooine um, that uh, it's, it's, there's no point in giving anybody credit um, but almost universally everyone was saying that probably I think you were saying that, but I think somebody says Tantooine in the movie and what that is is Princess Leia saying Dantooine she says when she lies to Grand Moff Tarkin about where the Imperial base is I mean it's right the rebel base um you know, I've learned that you don't lie to General Grand Moff Tarkin. Uh, he certainly, certainly showed her. Right. Although, it seemed like he was going to blow up Regardless. Alderaan, no matter yeah. what she did. Yeah, so, didn't yeah. matter. Um, here's another one. Greeting, gents. Uh, loving the show. Fun fact, the uh, TOS Enterprise did have a chief of security. He was only shown in the episode Devil in the Dark. And identified as Lieutenant Commander Giotto. Oh, I don't know if it's Giotto. Uh, if I'm spelling, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, even though he wore Commander's braid, as Spock does. Uh, shocker, he lived. Keep up the great pod. Wow, that's good information. That's the kind of thing I like to hear. Here's another one from uh, our, our uh, a friend in the service, um, Eric. 
Andy and Matt, in my former life as a young Marine, I was attached to my ship's security team for about three months while we were out to sea. If I remember correctly, the total crew count was about 200 sailors with about another 150 Marines in tow. The security team was about six to eight sailors. There was one junior officer, a chief, and a handful of junior enlisted. As Marine, I basically served as a red shirt, but having the night shift most of my time... My duties mainly consisted of roaming the ship, making sure people weren't having sex. Wow. <laughs> amazing. You did ask about the brig, which was an interesting thing. Is it's there, These ships are now co-ed, so it's got to be a lot, of, a lot of sexy time. A lot of sexy time on those ships. Um, you did ask about the brig, and surprisingly, we actually did have to put a sailor in the brig while at sea. It was located at the complete bottom of the ship. I believe a full seven decks down and well below sea level. Fun fact, at sea is the only time you can confine someone in the U.S. military with only bread and water. Not allowed when on dry land. Oh, wow. Interesting. International waters. Do whatever you want. Thanks and enjoy. Thank you for your service. Um, and then the last one is, hey, Matt and Andy, I can answer Andy's questions. The reason Beverly Crusher does not immediately beam to 10 forward. Uh, in some kind of hazmat suit once she learn, learns the Ornarians, this is from symbiosis, are infected with a deadly plague. In the 24th century, there are quarantine fields. This is why the later episodes, doctors do not wear surgical masks. I could agree this completely. This does not completely explain the reason that they would let someone infected by a plague wander the ship. Oh, well. Keep up the good work. Best Katrina. <laughs> and that, my friend... I love a quarantine field. ...is your $20 worth of uh, shortened... Uh, Shortened hails. Frequencies closed, sir. Which I realized um, our uh, our uh, hailing frequencies closed sound is from this episode. It's truly a tribute to the great by Natasha Yar. Clement, and um, and it's it's going to be a little uh, bittersweet every time I hear it. Now it will be, but you know what. That is construction. Oh, Matt. I was very confused. I thought it was. They're a working sound. on the Jeff- Jeffrey's tubes oh, somewhere. If you're wondering what's happening, uh, you can turn up. Apparently, the there's construction noise. Yeah, um, it's next door. It's not my house. So the <laughs> like any of you care? No one cares. <laughs> Who's having construction done? I guess the point is Andy can't afford to have construction done in his home. That is... Please continue to donate. <laughs> yeah. um, if you would like to build an addition on Andy's house, please send to. If you'd like to me make a. Andy's house feel lonelier. Please <laughs> donate to the podcast. Here's a whole other room I'm by myself. <laughs> Where's Omar? Oh, uh, uh, someone sent in. Uh, it was, it was at uh, Dynamo uh, sent in uh, wonderful fan art. Thank you, Dynamo um, of uh, Omar uh, Little, my uh, my cat, my warrior cat. In Klingon garb with a batliff and what's the... Uh, a scant. He's wearing a scant. And wearing a scant, he's, really. He's got a, a baldry and a, and a batliff. Just amazing work. Uh, I didn't know what, what a... That, I never knew what the sash was called. Yeah. Until Captain Picard says it in Star Trek Insurrection. What is it? What is it? It's a scant? It's a baldry. It's a... The sash that he has. A the Klingon... Baldry. Baldry. But were you saying G or D? D-R-Y. Baldry. That's what Captain Picard refers to it as. Interesting. That could be because another... Worf had overslept. Uh-huh. You know, because he's going through puberty in Star Trek Insurrection because uh, they're at that planet that makes you younger. Remember, he has a gort. He has a, I have a something war, to tell pimple. you. I don't know that I've seen Star Trek Insurrection. Oh my god! Anyway, 
Picard late to uh, right. Uh, Worf is late to duty. Okay, and he bumbles onto the bridge, and Picard looks at him, and his sash is all a mess, and he just goes, "Straighten your baldry, Commander." So this raises a, a question. Yes, is Star Trek Insurrection good? Um, it is a long ass pause, guys. It is uh, look at a fumper show. It's it's a it's a movie that has its moments. Uh huh. It's not particularly well liked uh, okay. generally, right? Um, Did, was that the last? No, it was second to last. Nemesis broke the franchise. Nemesis. Broke. Um, <laughs> It's quite a claim to fame. Um, but, uh, you know, I I will watch it. I will watch it here and there. There's some good performances, some good bits in it. It's written by Michael Piller, one of the great Star Trek The Next Generation writers, the late, great Michael Piller, huh. who wrote a book about the making of that movie that is no longer in publication, and it had some very juicy details. Insurrection also contains the lost commentary track yeah. that Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis did for the movie. Where Paramount was like, you shit in this movie so much that we're not putting this commentary track out. Wow. So, that's some a bit of fun for you, Andy. I would love uh, to hear that commentary track. I wonder if it sounds too. like our show. I don't know if it's out yet, or huh. if anyone's dug it up. Uh, so, I guess it's time to talk about the episode Skin of Evil. Let's do production it. Production number 122, and it aired the week of April 25th, 1988. Matt? That week, mm-hmm. U.S. radios were still tuned to Where Do Broken Hearts Go by Whitney Houston. I think it goes a little something like this. What else was going on that week? In the U.K., Heart by Pet Shop Boys was still on top. Mila Jovovich made her big screen debut in Zalman King's Two Moon Junction, which uh-huh. was big at the box office. I never had a memory of Two Moon Junction being I that big. I have no memory of it. Uh, I mean, I remembered it because I think Sherilyn Fenn is naked in it, and I was obsessed all the way uh, we're gonna blow the lid off of the internet right now Andy is Mr. Skin uh, <laughs> Mr. Skin guys <laughs> I know I shouldn't be asking for donations because I'm making so much from that other website but uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I am Mr. Skin where that movie is involved I have to say because I don't know that I've seen it from start to finish sure. <laughs> Um, whatever the case, um, that movie also featured Trek alumni Louise Fletcher, Vedek Wynn from DS9. Mm. Um, Ted Koppel hosted a historic meeting of Israeli and Palestinian representatives on location in Jerusalem in a special Nightline episode. Actress Sarah Paxton was born on this day. Time magazine featured Michael Eisner and Mickey Mouse with the caption, Why is this mouse smiling? Oh, great question. Uh, all right. So, thank you, Whitney. Thanks, Whitney. Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Godspeed wherever you are. Uh, This episode was directed by Joseph L. Scanlon. Teleplay by Joseph Stefano and Hannah Louise Shearer. Story by Joseph Stefano. Uh... I'll read the synopsis very quickly for everyone. Troy and her shuttle pilot are pulled off course. They crash on Varga 2, the home of the sadistic being Armis, created from the cast-off sins of his race and then abandoned. An away team beans down to rescue the counselor, but Armis and a force field of his creation are in their way. Then, acting out of sheer malice, the black oozing form of goo tortures Riker, taunts LaForge and Data, and kills Yar. 
Worf, who is now acting security chief, and Wesley discover that Armis loses power when provoked. Using that weakness, Picard is finally able to get his people out, but not before trying to reason with Armis one more time. He even has the splintered shuttle destroyed to prevent Armis from leaving the planet. Back on board the Enterprise, crew members play a recorded hologram of Yar's will and her last thoughts to her friends. All of them, even Data, derive strength during their grief from their friendship with the security chief. Now, I feel as though, this is again, I'm reading from the Star Trek The Next Generation Companion, revised edition by Larry Nemeshek. Um, I feel like his, his, his detail here we should probably talk about. We should read his... Sure. little blurb about the episode. Uh, so he writes, Long before this episode was filmed, rumors were flying about the manner of Denise Crosby's departure and the reasons for it. She was, after all, the first regular Trek character ever to be permanently killed off. Oh, wow. I didn't... Uh, no, Spock. The movie's oh, resurrection of Spock, gotcha. notwithstanding. Right. Let Larry finish. Sorry. Uh, thanks to media reports, it became widely known that Crosby was dissatisfied with her role's development and had asked to bow out on friendly terms so that she could pursue a film career. Shear, who was handed the task of rewriting the original draft by Outer Limits veteran Joseph Stefano, said the in-house debate on the nature of her exit finally went the way Gene Roddenberry wanted, with a senseless but typical sudden death befitting a security officer originally tasha's demise came much earlier in the episode and the focus was more on the armist creature than on the crew's reaction to their comrade's death gene felt we wouldn't kill the creature because that's not up to us as human beings to make a moral judgment on any creature that we encounter because we are not god said Shear, charged with devising a satisfactory punishment without resorting to eye-for-an-eye justice for the alien. Everyone involved with the episode knew that the look and mechanics of the alien villain Armis had to be believable if the story was to work. You're talking about a living tar pit, recalled Legato, who before the episode was the series' biggest special effects flop. Well, who felt, rather, that the episode was the series' biggest special effects flop. Wait, he felt it before it aired, or uh, he felt it in in I think looking in back? Retrospect. In retrospect, uh, interesting. It's not attractive if you do it well, and if it's even worse, it's not even that. Director Joe Scanlon, though noting the ironic, wonderful intellectual quality of Armis, told the staff, "If we do not make this monster believable, we are in deep shit." Huh. <laughs> A surrealistic mime-type actor modeled on the Mum and Chance group. <laughs> oh, was the, that's amazing. Was the original concept for Armist. That's amazing. It was based on Mum and Chance. That's uh, the most misconceived, <laughs> ill-conceived concept to pursue. This was a villain. How about these guys running around with toilet paper streaming off their faces? Uh, this was later changed to a more concrete shroud creature that would draw its oil slick off the ground when arising. A plan to achieve this effect by reversing the film and melting a 10-inch figure on a hot plate had to be discarded. <laughs> Finally, a grave pit size, uh, a grave 
pit 10 feet deep was dug on the planet Hell set, and a hydraulic step was used for the rising effect. A mix including Metamucil was used for the Black Goose. Scanlon recalls that the oil was so heavy that actor Mart McKenzie's suit began to disintegrate and new ones had to be built overnight. At one point, he had to wear an open-back costume in scenes where his back wouldn't show. Recalling the final memorial scene, Scanlon said he filmed Tasha's hologram tape two ways. Straight ahead, as if looking into her holo camera, his preference, and the version that, and the version used in which she nods to each listener. Don't ask me how she would knew where they'd be standing, he said. <laughs> Still, if the sadness of the scene looked tearfully real, it was. Yara's death and Crosby's departure were sad for all the actors as well as for the characters. Marina Sirtis began sobbing during the reaction takes as her friend cued her from off-camera, leading Frakes and others into one of the most moving scenes shot for the young series. Ironically, Crosby said later that if scenes like the opening between her and Worf had been written more often, she would not have asked to leave the show. She would soon have second thoughts about departing the series, though, and would eventually find herself back in TNG through some of the most bizarre plot twists that Star Trek has ever come up with. Um, I kind of agree with her right off the top with that scene with Worf. So I was thinking, it's, I know that they're doing this like, oh, it's a special episode, so we'll see these characters interact like fully dimensional humans. <laughs> and it's like, just do that in every episode. I love the shading on Worf. It that felt, he respects her so deeply as a warrior, and that's their bond. And uh, I love that she kind of sees past his gruff exterior, and it's sort of played out in that scene. Uh, yeah, well, let's get into it. I'll play the captain's log, and uh, we'll go from there. We are crossing through the Zed Lapis sector, where we will rendezvous with Shuttlecraft 13, carrying Deanna Troy, who is returning from a conference. Because engineering is involved in preventative maintenance on our dilithium crystals, we are presently traveling on impulse power. So, uh, first of all, this dilithium crystal thing. Yeah. Pointless. Yeah. Pointless. Why? Because it's never mentioned again, and it's solved immediately. Oh, the issue. Yeah. What, what is the thing? It's the reason that they can't get to warp? They can't go to warp? Like, the... By the time they're ready to go, the ship's already going down anyway. It's silly. It, it seems like a way to just introduce uh, Lieutenant Leland T. Lynch. Who cannot stop saying his full name. Right. Which I kind of... That's another detail I kind of love that Picard rolls his eyes when he says, uh, It's Lieutenant Leland T. Lynch. He's like, oh, Jesus. Because <laughs> he says it every time. This asshole. And I love that. I love that detail. Uh, yeah, so here's the scene Andy was just talking about between Yar and Worf. Okay. Routine deep sensor probes indicate no obstacles or vessels within a range of three light years. Confirm. The martial arts competition is in three days. Are you prepared? I will be if you'll meet me on the holodeck later. I need your help with the Mishiyama wrist lock and break. If it works on you, I can use it on anyone. A valid assumption. Who is your first competitor? Science Officer Swenson. You will defeat him easily. Well, I'm more concerned with Lieutenant Minerly's kickboxing. You are favored in the ship's pool. You bet on me? A sure thing. The music means they like each other. 
Captain. I mean, what about the way she keeps checking out his D? <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that the subtext? <laughs> I'm just saying. It seems like he would be a hot property on that Are ship. Are you kidding me? He's so strapping. Yeah. I'd be into it. Um, yeah, I love that scene. If there was more scenes I, like that. Uh, I did not like that scene. Oh, here we go. And I did not like that scene only because it was so out of place and something that we've never seen before. But let me ask you. Yeah. Would you be against... It was pandering, I think. How so? It was just like, oh, we're writing her off. Let's give her a little flourish to make sure people know that people like her. Oh, 100%. It was totally obtrusive, that, and that I thought, was the setup. That's what I But like I guess my it. point if is... If it was four episodes ago, I would have been into way into it. But that's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that I agree with Denise Crosby's evaluation. Yeah. Uh, it, does this Is that where the show kind of goes? A little bit more character-y moments, or...? Um, you get... You're, I mean, you're certainly going to learn a lot more about these characters throughout the run of the show. But the problem with these, with Star Trek The Next Generation is that it's so episodic and not serialized. But even if that's the case, I feel like, eh, now I'm trying to think back on it. I'm thinking like L.A. Law or things that, you know, whatever, any any uh, uh, episodic thing where it's like about lawyers or cops, you're kind of following the characters a little bit. You follow their interactions, but essentially it's about the plots. So... I just feel like Star Trek thus far is is very sterilized of too many moments like this. Yeah. Does it does that change? Hard to say. You'd get them, but they're not frequent. It's interesting. It's they're really it's so, like you're getting them once a, you're not like you're not getting them like once an episode. I mean, so many of these actors have are so charismatic and the and the characters are so likable that yeah. you kind of anyway. Um I have a I have a, an Andy's theory, real, oh, real early in the show. Andy's theory that is uh, that is tied to um, to the engineer, the chief engineer. Well, let's hear it. Let's hear it on screen. Or would you like to hear the chief engineer talking to Picard? Uh, sure. All right, that's a good setup. Um, and here we go. All right. Joel, position report. Sir, I have an onboard systems failure. Well, this is the Enterprise. Your coordinates now read 237.101. Ben, you're dangerously close to a planet. I can see it. The planet is Vagra 2, sir. By the way, if that, that, you know, is the guy on the shuttle, correct? Not the... Correct. Yeah, you know, we're getting there because okay. he has to then Very ask good. for warp. But I just wanted to say, yeah. just a side observation. Okay. Having seen what Jordy sees through his visor, uh-huh. there's no way he can read coordinates. <laughs> He can sense them. The pilot is busy. We've lost most of our impulse power. Engineering status report. Working on it, Captain. Three minutes. There are no guarantees. Captain, we're out of control. I missed it. I'm very upset I do love that. I can see why Picard would be annoyed with him in general beyond him saying his full name every time he's on because he's like, he does the same thing Scotty has where it's sort of like, I don't think I can do it, Captain, except he does it in this whiny like, I don't think I can, Captain, no guarantees. Leland T. Lynch here, Captain. We now have minimum warp drive. The course plotted and set for Vega 2, sir. Warping. The response is amazing. I said minimum warp drive, Captain. You heard the order, Mr. Lynch. Make it so. Yes, sir. <laughs> Can I ask you, yeah. in that moment, does Picard just know that the ship can take it? Or what's happening? He, it seems like like Lynch is saying, uh, I don't think that's a good idea. I mean, he's not being reasonable. He's being a douche about it. But 
I mean, I think if you're uh, to know how a dilithium crystal refraction works, uh, maybe Lynch is worried about burning out the dilithium crystals, and Picard at that moment does not care if he burns them out. I see. He's just trying. He's being too persnickety about the yeah. warp. And, all right. And Picard's got lives to save. all the bathrooms at? Let an android have a cat? Is Data just pretending to be so dim? No one knows the answers. Least of all him, it's Um, so, uh, actually, uh, a gentleman named Paul Patton wrote in and, and, uh, backed up a theory that I already sort of had formulated in watching it, which is, it's interesting to me that, uh, this guy, uh, Lynch is in a series of chief engineers, um, that appear for an episode and then are gone. <laughs> and they're like, uh, my, my thought was these, they must be, something must be happening to them a la the drummers in Spinal Tap. Something terrible is happening to each one of the chief engineers. Uh-huh. And it fit neatly with my other theory about Wesley. Because Wesley is slowly bringing someone who perhaps he knows best and he knows how to manipulate and is a friend, quote, friend of his. Andy. Into the position of chief engineer. Don't play that tune yet. Okay. You know... There are friends out there who help each other, and, and I just want to help you with another theory of yours. All right. What's your theory about Geordi LaForge? Uh, he is a mechophile. Uh-huh. He, is, he is, uh, has a, feel, a sexual proclivity towards mechanical... Do you feel like uh, he's annoyed being so high in the ship and not in the bowels of the ship in engineering? Well, it plays into... Do you find it odd that yes. next season he gets made the chief engineer? Because maybe they've gone through too many chief engineers? What I'm saying is that perhaps the culprit here is not Wesley Crusher. But Geordi LaForge, murdering chief engineer after chief engineer, looking at the duty roster going, I'm going to be After Lynch, it's me. I had, uh, that's really fascinating, Matt, and I think that one is also legit, and I have an even even further uh, theory that kind of uh, piggybacks on that one, which is... Well, let's give uh, Jordy some credit and say he's his love for for mechanical objects is pure. Yes, certainly he can think of no life better than just constantly edging in in chief in engineering. Just he's just constantly edging. He's always on the edge of an orgasm as he does his work. Um, but maybe uh-huh. the ship having a certain amount of artificial intelligence, to say the least. Sure. Maybe it wants Jordy (laughs) down in what would be the equivalent of its genitalia, the warp engine. You know, that's interesting. Uh, The warp core. You you may play your theory closeout. Before I do that, I I do want to just jump ahead to say um, uh, it ties also into uh, another uh, theory, uh, Wesley Connected, Mm -hmm. um, which is... um, uh, I thought, oh, Wesley's not in this episode, so he would have nothing to do with Tasha's death. Uh, however, he is in the episode. He's very integral to to the uh, ship operations. He's, he's right there by Worf, his friend who he's had many scenes with. Mm-hmm. He hasn't had that many interactions mm-hmm. with Tasha. 
And uh, I think that he clearly had a hand in getting Tosh out of there and getting Worf head of security. Oh, interesting. And his theories are very interesting because he's really smart. There you go. Those are great Andy's theories. Thank you. And thank you for your help on the theories, Matt. I think we had a great time. I can't wait to hear what you think about Dr. Crusher's attempt to bring back a dead person. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's Um, go. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, Just before we get out of this this section, we don't have to hear it. This is the Zed Lapis sector. And it did occur to me, like... There's, somebody was thinking Led Zeppelin when they, uh, when they came up, even if Zed it was subconscious. <laughs> I, I heard it, and I just thought to myself, I thought it sounded like a... Uh, Stairway to Armis? <laughs> <laughs> just, it, it, Zed Lapis just really sounded uh, like a Sketch 101 group right. coming up with a fucking <laughs> hilarious planet name or something like that. Sure. just It sounded terrible. Or their group name. Show no signs of life forms, virtually no vegetation. Atmosphere? Minimum for our needs, sir. Standard orbit. Aye, sir. Standard orbit. It's crazy when you hear the real ship engines come in. Yeah. <laughs> Over our shuttle. Life signs. Not yet, sir. Still probing. It appears to be buried under a lot of debris. I may have something, sir. <laughs> I like how he says I may have something, sir, when he has a clear image of the ship on the surface in front of him. <laughs> he then says, I may have something, sir. <laughs> oh, war. <laughs> I mean, I I know I, I have some. I didn't mean I, I may. I can see. I also just like, if you'd listen to me once in a while, I'd be more confident. I just feel like I, I just am not confident. It. I don't know. Where's the boy? Have the boy look at this. Although I got to say, he, he again in this episode has a small win when he uh, is placed as head security. Mm-hmm. We're jumping ahead. And uh, and a Riker kind of gives him a little attitude like, aren't you coming, Worf? And he's like, I will stay here because it's not a battle situation. We're just trying to get our people. And uh, Picard's like, good move. Yeah. So, uh, so I was thinking maybe we should maybe we should start slotting the times instead of the times everybody says no, or maybe we count all the times everyone says no and all the times people say yes to him. Worf, you got a couple of fans right here. Yeah. Um, so this uh, oil slick, they beam down the, to the wreckage site, and, and there's an oil slick there, and they're having trouble getting around it. Yeah. Why at no point do they say you go this way, I'll go this way, then we'll see what it does. That's valid and I assume the answer is because then that's one more effect they have to make but it totally makes sense <laughs> also it could have defeated him you don't know no one tried it what do you mean defeated him it could have that could have been the one uh, way to stop Armis wait I can oh, oh wait I oh, can't multitask oh, oh. Oh, could you guys just get back it? over right. here please alright thank you <laughs> okay now I'll kill you <laughs> let's try the other way Enterprise, this is Riker. We've got a problem. What kind of problem, number one? Well, first of all, there's a shuttle that's crashed right over there. I know that, Riker. 
Oh, uh, yeah, and there's this thing we can't walk around. There is a lot of extraneous dialogue. What do you mean you can't walk around an oil slick? What if we just beamed you to the other side of it? Some kind of specific oil slick? No internal organs. Cellular structure unknown. Does not have any proteins which are known to us. It's narrower over here. We can get over it. How is it moving, Data? I do not know, sir. Does not appear to have a skeletal framework or musculature. Now what's causing it to move? It appears to be following us, sir. No sign of intelligence, no brain as we know it, yet evidence of thought, Mr. Data? Insufficient information, sir. Is it a life form, Data? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Could be. <laughs> uh... All right, so the oil slick. That is Armis. Played by Ron Gans. Ronnie Gans. A big, a big, um, played drag strip in the Transformers. He played, uh, I don't see anything. Um, Stranger and Coffee. Um, I don't see anything uh, to... Uh, he was an alien leader in Lost in Space. He was in Dragnet. This guy's a real journeyman. I don't see anything that, that stands out, though. It's the kind of career some of us long for. You want to be a journeyman? You don't want to sure. be a journeyman. You want to be uh, the the uh, Christopher Lloyd or some person. Not the actor. Not the actor, but the... Chris yeah, Lloyd. Chris Lloyd. Sure. I'll take Chris Lloyd's career. Who's your Who's your top? Who would you want to... Who would you point to as a sitcom... Uh, Magnet Jim Burroughs. Jim Burroughs. Yeah. Reason. Or the Charles Brothers. He's more of a director, though. Jim Burroughs is a director, but he slapped his name on Created By on Cheers. and Yeah, but then you just want, you don't want to cash in. You want to actually helm your own ship, But he's don't been you? working. Well, sure, but is that what you want, or do you want to be in the writer's room? You know, it's a lot. I, I guess I'd, I'd like to be the Charles Brothers had they Charles continued Brothers. to work. But I feel like the Charles Brothers did 11 years of Cheers, uh-huh. and then helped wings and Frazier get off the ground and then we're like meh were they burned out I think we're good yeah it's interesting the distinction we were talking about Ted Danson in the room the other day Mm -hmm. between that kind of career and the Ted Danson career where it's like Ted Danson don't ever need to work again right and he keeps he keeps plugging away he loves it I mean I'd get bored I have gotten bored you would keep working yeah yeah I would build crazy things if I was that rich I would just become an inventor or, or build a bat cave underneath my mansion or <laughs> have a gyrocopter and fly around to parties. Someday, buddy. Someday. Someday. We'll get you out of the town. If you would like to support my crazy future. <laughs> <laughs> um, we believe everything in the universe has a right to exist. An interesting notion which I do not share. You may leave now. If you wish. We are not going without our shuttle crew. I would. What if that tiny window, and he said, you may leave now if you wish, mm-hmm. he was allowing them to beam the survivors and the crew off of the sh- off of the planet. And then something they said after that ticked him off. Well, I think what, what Tasha Yard does ticks him off. I got to say, there are several different... L- I actually really like the dialogue between Armis and the people, just because it's it's interesting to try and figure out what Armis's deal is. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, Armis, by the way, <laughs> we worked with uh, Adam Armis, who was the showrunner on uh, on um, Heroes, amongst other things, and uh, and uh, it was a delightful discovery that Armis was the name of the terrible <laughs> villain in this. Do you think Armis? Uh, no, he wasn't. He was still in college at this point. I don't know if he was a it was a TNG fan. Whatever the case. Um, I don't remember what my point was, but it was really good. It's not a name you hear often. No, that wasn't my point. It oh. was about... The dialogue between the two of them and this prov- provocation? Oh, I guess I was going to say that he's uh, he's got... He seems to have a certain amount of ADD, this Armist creature. And mm-hmm. so it seems like several points, it's like, oh, you could lead him into a logic trap that way. Yeah. And they just always change the subject, and then he yeah. goes back to, no, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. It does seem like he's like... I think he's just happy to see some people. I think I would have liked to see a little bit more of that. I yeah. agree with you. That's what Enough. We have people who need attention. We won't hurt you, but we must help them. He's being phaser blasted by uh, Data and Riker, who both look at their phasers and go, well, that's not working. The creature attacked us. Lieutenant Yar is down. It seems to feed on our phaser energy. We had no effect on it. What's Lieutenant Yar's condition? Does faster mean dead? In television. He's dead. It is so weird to see a main character get killed in the first act. It's true. You know what I mean? I Even knowing that would happen, I was like, oh, she can't be dead yet. Yeah. It's like, why would you... I mean, now in television, this would be... The blast and the... She's dead would be the end of the episode. Right. And we'd go into the next week. Now, but that, of course, does tag on to, uh, to Roddenberry's... Uh, sort of pushing for it to be a senseless death. Do you know anything about that? That sounds sort of... In- so he's he's just pushing for that people who are in these positions, this kind of crap happens to them. Yeah, he's of the thought of like, if you're signing up for Starfleet, this is probably how you'll go. It's interesting. It's kind of a similar perspective to The Wire, where well, I mean, you people about- just die and you, you're like, oh no, yeah. and Game of Thrones. If you're, if you're deciding you're going to be in a Game of Thrones world... <laughs> Well, it's (laughs) you never know when you're going to go. It's you know interesting too to think about like think about it from the perspective of like the the red shirts that always die in the first act. Right. Well, that is what's interesting in comparison that this this show. I think this is the second crew member that's died. Maybe that's not true. It feels like there's only been two or three major Uh, deaths in 22 episodes. Um. Yes. Twenty-three episodes of crew members. Yes. Yeah, and that's compared to you know, TOS. It's, well, it's a much more dangerous time out there. Is that it? Federation was, uh, you know, not quite as strong. There was no alliance with the Klingons. Huh. I need her in sick bay now. Well, then why not beam her to sick bay, you dumb dumbs? I'll be in sick bay. I serve. A moment of exhale from Worf. That is a total valid point. Why don't they just beam her right to sick bay? And what is the thing on her face? Unchanged. Um, blood? If it's blood, then why is it such a weird, we'll perfect tattoo? Of blood? Yeah. It was the 80s. They didn't know what to do. <laughs> Fake blood effects before that. They didn't know what blood looked like back then. Affirmative. 
So here's your 80s medical drama in the middle of Star Trek. And it's got the 80s medical music. Uh-huh. No, I've got her on total support. Synth no music. A uh, little sub-theory here yeah. uh, to support... Uh, I was genuinely happy to see the female nurse or doctor, the gray-haired lady... I was just thinking that. Get lines in this episode. Oh, does she have lines? She I didn't lines. notice. The one with the twin? Yeah. Because we saw the one episode where she suddenly appeared on the bridge and second lane. Do it! My uh, sub-theory on this was that... Uh, Increased to 70 microvolts. The reason that uh, Beverly is able to speak in such doctor stuff here is... Uh, microvolts. Is because the reason she has her hair cut is because it is hiding listening devices for Wesley to feed her in crisis situations, <laughs> which is why I know that Wesley is responsible for Tasha's death. Oh, Beverly could have saved her. Again. <laughs> Wesley didn't want her to be saved. I, she, she was too astute of, to like, security the, officer. Like, half-mislead that happens there. That we might save Riker her? Riker goes, oh. oh. So, such a crazy thing for him to say. She's gone. Do you mean dead? Gone. Does well, mean I dead? mean, physically, she's, her body's right here, <laughs> sir, but you get it. She's dead. There was so much damage. That thing just sucked the life right out of her. Or at least that's what I'm being told on my earpiece. What? Very good work, mother. And then it goes and talks to Troy. Which I liked. Yeah? I like the Troy talking to this creature. I like the Troy, you know, being an empath. I got to tell you. Getting with this creature. This is the first moment that I really, you know, Troy Troy has slowly won me over in various forms. But yeah. I think this is the first scene where She'll it's like. She'll lose you again. Okay, good. <laughs> this is the first moment where it's like she's facing a full-on adversary. Yeah. Where it's like, just use your empath abilities however you can to save people and get out of the situation alive. And you can see the the craftiness of Troy to lead him down paths. And it's just a really good use of her abilities. And it also revealed that Troy, which I don't think we've seen up until now, Troy's the ability not just to read the person's current emotions, but look beneath to their subconscious emotions to... Uh, to um, sort of evaluate, yeah. this is the moves they're going to be making soon, not just now, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah, I think she has uh, having an inherent understanding of emotion. I think she is able to more aptly deal with this being that is pure emotion. Like it seems uh-huh. to me that this being is just hate. Right and evil. I mean, it's the skin of evil. Right. Why are you looking? Um, you seem like you're looking hard. Like you're looking hard at me when you say it's just a creature of creature of hate. <laughs> you know, it's a creature of uh, evil. Sure. Uh, you just so you're looking down, and when you look up, you're looking right at me. <laughs> well, Omar sees it. Eh, Omar knows what it's like to live with a sludge monster. <laughs> Hi, Andy. Uh, yeah. So let's hear a little bit of Troy. Okay. I felt her die. Want to know why I killed her? Yes, but not in that voice. Your answer would be meaningless. That act had no reason. Exactly. It had no meaning. I did it because I wanted to. It amused me. No. You thought it would amuse you. But it didn't. 
You felt no satisfaction. No. It was too easy. You wanted her to suffer. You have a great need. I need nothing. Liar. End this. Let us go. Not yet. They won't give you what you want. And what is that? To break their spirit. Oh, is that what I want? If breaking their spirit will amuse me, then that's what I will have. This, for me, is like a metaphor for the Trump administration. Like, really they're is. the skin of evil. I'm like, you can't break our spirit. I would say they have. Although they're doing a great job right now. <laughs> trying to break our spirit. <laughs> they're certainly making us go, what? As a Star Trek fan. <laughs> What the um, fuck is going on? I, I think that they have just about as much as consistent reasoning as, as the uh, sludge. So Andy just experienced his first podcast technical glitch. I did. We, I, uh, I didn't enjoy it. We, we were recording and uh, uh, we probably went about 25 minutes that yeah. uh, are gone forever. Yeah. So we're going to pick up right from where we were, which was Troy in a, inside of a shuttlecraft talking to... Uh, you know, our good old buddy Armis. And I believe I... <laughs> what, you I'm, believe you already said how much you enjoyed this? I'm all discombobulated well, now. Andy, I don't know when to... You know what we do? We put our heads down, we power through, and we give um, the audience a full episode of fun. Okay. Regardless of how little fun we might have doing it. All right. It's still recording, so we're good. I ran out of space, guys. Uh, fun fact, I've been using the same... Um, you sound great, Andy. Okay. Uh, I've been using the same uh, SD card since Nerdist. Really? Yeah. And you haven't had to change it? I just keep deleting things. Oh. But too much stuff got got on there this week because I forgot that I did recorded two podcasts on Monday. Yes. And I still had the last week's two podcasts. Matt is recording 17 podcasts a week now. With the same fucking recorder and the same SD card. Guys, if you'd like to donate to the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Troy. Back to Troy telling Armis what's up. Not. What others? You can't hide the emptiness from me. The others, the ones who hurt you, who left you alone, rejected. The ones who make you so angry. What do you know of them? Only what you tell me. I will tell you nothing. You are fake news. I am filled with hate. I am Black Snudge. <laughs> um, you will stay at Armus's hotels. <laughs> <laughs> you, it, 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 the, the, the whole, the whole skin of evil situation where there is this character that has no real point of view other than to make others miserable is. <laughs> 
is the Trump administration. It is, it's clearly the it, Trump administration. It's, a, it's an allegory for today it's, where it's like, well, you're right. Killing that person did not give me good feelings. I will do something else. <laughs> Destructive. <coughs> First, I will, maybe I'll tweet Kafafi. <laughs> that will make people angry. <laughs> Perhaps I will tell you about some intelligence I got from Israel. I'm going to back the FBI. Now I'm going to fire the head of the FBI. <laughs> There's just this little sense. <laughs> it did not give me the pleasure I sought. <laughs> Perhaps if I could make out with my little daughter. Ew, Armis. That's gross. You're so evil. Um... Yeah, so Jordy, Data, Riker, and Beverly beam down to the planet, and we see some classic fishing line props. Will you give it to me? I might. It depends. I like that he's annoyed. I am a doctor. I need to treat our injured friends. You are a doctor? It will cost more to see you now. Please. You ask nicely. I will allow it. Wait, I've changed my mind. <laughs> Wait, what? Talk to her from here. My pulling out of the Paris Accords. Now I want to be in the Paris Accords with the same terms. <laughs> Sadly, that part didn't happen. No. Beverly? I can hear you. Are you all right? Yes. We've encountered some difficulty. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, by the way, in that moment, her, it's a very, this is a classic, slow, slow uh, moment in Next Generation that is not necessary, where it's like, she calls Beverly, or Beverly calls Troy, Troy waits a second, is like, what? It's a... Uh, oh, and then hits her comm badge and is like, Beverly? And it's like, you know what the situation is. Why are we taking 30 seconds to get to that conversation? Also, like, in the pilot in Encounter at Farpoint, we established the fact that Riker and Troy can communicate telepathically. Oh, that's also true. So... It's like why establish yeah, something? They should use that. Why is that? You're calling him. You're calling him Imzadi. You're yelling that out. Right. We we know that 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 happened. We didn't hallucinate and imagine that that happened. Yeah. You can. Do you remember what I taught you, Imzadi? <laughs> Do you remember? It's so weird that moment. Looking back on it. My pilot's dying, Imzadi. That guy really gets the bum end of the deal. He sure does. No one gives a shit about him. This probably, I think that's another example of they paid the ADR actor less, which is the voiceover actor for that character, and then didn't pay the... Because it, nah, just have him be dead. Real shitty. Yeah. Although he survives, right? Does, yes. Although they... So what? Our friends are suffering a few meters away, yet you block our path. Why? They're refugees and immigrants. What is he made of? It did not register on the tricorder. It? Does that mean I am not alive? Everyone no. says no, I am alive. That's a straw man argument, sir. I, no one meant that. <laughs> but you said I did not register on your instrument. Perhaps You're deplorable. There, I said it. <laughs> we. 
Did his thing fly off yet? It just happened. I don't know if you heard the sounds. Also, if you go back and watch that uh, second of, of, of film, it happens at about 23 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's the worst acting from three great actors. The Just look the up to the right, like, what? Yeah. What? Like, this this to them, uh-huh. having seen everything they've just seen, having seen their comrade killed, having seen the sludge creature block communications and transporters, the most surprise and wonder they feel is when he lifts Some minor a phaser out of <laughs> his holster. It, who did direct this episode? Uh, because it feels like, and the Geordie scrambling around and patting his hand lightly on the dirt in front of him is very... It is directed by Joseph Scanlon. Is he a standby? Is he a good guy? Is he a good director? You know, I never... You know, I watched Star Trek so much as a kid, I never really paid that much attention then to the It would be interesting at some point to look at, like, which episodes, the ones that are most well-known. I mean, as we've said before, it's, it mostly comes down um, to, the, to, the, to the written... Landau is, I think, pound for pound. And Frakes are... Really? Frakes? Best, I think are the best directors. Oh, interesting. Good for uh, Frakes. Spoiler! Jonathan Frakes directs episodes? Oh my god, I ruined it for everyone. Uh, Joseph, I want to see what Joseph L. Scanlon has been up to since the days of Star Trek The Next Generation, and I want to know how many episodes he's directed. All right, I'm going to play a a moment from Riker getting dragged across the dirt while you do that. about fucking time. One thing that's weird to me is he says, Data, something's got me. <laughs> I think we know what's uh, got you. We know what it is, sir. <laughs> Established it. Uh, so let me tell you about J- Joseph Scanlon. Joseph Scanlon had been working consistently since 1950, uh, since 1971. Uh, directed a bunch of Land of the Lost. Mm-hmm. Uh a show called Matt and Jenny, The Littlest Hobo, which is something I'm going to have to look up and figure out why that is a show that lasted for two seasons. <laughs> uh, six episodes of Falcon Crest. I like Falcon Crest. I don't know. Did you? I was a Dynasty guy. Uh, he directed four episodes of The Next Gen The Big Goodbye, Skin of Evil, uh, Contagion, and Times Squared, which are both next season. Oh, interesting. He directed one episode of Quantum Leap. Uh-huh. Uh, did a bunch of Knots Landing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Briscoe County Junior, which is a great show. He did three episodes of that. Yeah. Uh, Kung Fu The Legend Continues. Remember that? Uh, vaguely, yeah. One episode of Lois and Clark. Uh-huh. Uh, seven episodes of The Outer Limits. I don't know if it's a good sign on your resume as a direct a TV director, by the way, if you have one episode of a show, because that means that they didn't bring you back. Unless you have one episode that's last season. Fair enough. Uh, and then, yeah, the last thing he did was a bunch of uh, La Femme Nikitas. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't worked since 2002, but I'm inclined to think that he could have passed on. But, but, you know, if you're not working since 2002 and you started working in 1971... No, he's just 87 years old. <laughs> <laughs> he's just had it. 
Joseph, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for for saying that you had passed on when you're clearly alive and living in Brooklyn. Who is he in Brooklyn? I don't know. He's from Brooklyn. I wish I was in Brooklyn. Andy? I'm going to make it happen. I was living in Brooklyn before I came out here. Years active, 1954 to 2002. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. What a career. What a career. Okay, back to the fun of Skin of Evil, everyone's favorite episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> Is this one ill thought of, this episode? Yes. Uh-huh. It's a senseless death, and it's not, like, the creature's not well done. You know, it is an interesting point, and I wonder if it, at this point, I really want to get into who was in charge of the show at what point, because I actually like Gene Roddenberry's perspective, as I think, I believe I said earlier in the podcast, unless it was erased, that uh, that senseless deaths are would be a part of this world, and certainly were a part of the world in uh, in the original series of just like, no, he's dead every second, every second of the show. Um but I guess I feel like I can see the fan perspective on that being unsatisfying because it's not really dealt with like it's a, you know, like that theme of the fragility of life in deep space is not really addressed here. Yeah, well, not very often in the often show. Yeah, anywhere. And, and they have this beautiful, tearful goodbye with Tasha, so. Fires of the crash. <laughs> What'd you think of that face of Riker coming up? Um, that was all right. I, you know the the. It's clearly a life cast. It makes me want to own it. <laughs> oh, that would be cool, right? You would want that. Oh, of course, you would want that over the carbonite. You don't give a crap about Star Wars. Nah, I don't need carbonite. There is grave danger to the crew on Vagrant Two. My first officer is missing, attacked by this entity known as Armus. Captain, perhaps you should take a look at this. We have the chart of the energy field surrounding the shuttle. Wesley's right next to him here. Yes, but there is a pattern. Manipulating every piece of data they're seeing. And here is where to absorb Commander Riker. And here, here, where the energy is lowest. Both times it had enveloped the shuttle. It has something to do with Counselor Troy. Somehow when it's dealing with her... The energy field is affected. I want to talk to her. I'm going to beam down. Lieutenant Worf, you have the con. This is the first time that Worf has the con, right? I wish Walking on Sunshine started playing. (laughs) Worf walking through the ship, (laughs) waving to people, giving people high fives. Good job, man. <laughs> Somebody coming at him with a bat left, him like pretending to be scared. <laughs> Walking on. <laughs> uh, Worf, we love you so much. Worf is the best. Uh, let's hear her yell, Imzadi. Imzadi! No! <laughs> Stop hurting him! He resists. If he would give himself over, the pain would diminish. Oh, his so I should support Trump. You should feel his strength. <laughs> Stop resisting me. Should I let him go? You only asked to torment me. Perhaps. How should I answer? Maybe. I don't what know. What can I offer except myself? 
just put my name in all the reports and put pictures in them. Tell Alec Baldwin to stop doing that unflattering portrayal of Amish. Just for him? No, not just for him. I would do the same for any of the others. Jordy pops in. Even me? <laughs> yeah, I guess, Jordy. Jesus, I'm kind of busy here. All right. Then he leaves and she goes, wait, no, I didn't save me. Um, the shots of Picard in this look weird. I feel as though there's a few reels of coverage that they could not find to digitally... Uh, transfer to HD huh. so they had to go back to the original video yeah. of the edited show and insert those into the there's like three or four scenes you know one half of coverage because they had to when they did this they had to go back to the original mags uh-huh. and recut the show oh, wow. to match the episodes yeah. um, and it was shot on film so very expensive very time consuming and because they didn't sell super well is why we're not getting HD versions of Deep Space Nine or uh, Voyager. Deep Space Nine was also shot on film. Yeah, everything was. But I think Voyager at some point they switched, switched to, video, to video, which is why that those the quality of those is slightly less than the other ones. Mm. Oh, no. um, but on the note of Armus, uh, Ron, oh, no. I'm sorry, man. What? I'm so- I would certainly love it. Voyager was, was one of my tops. Um... Which I accept is inexplicable based on my lack of interest in Next Generation. Um, Ron Gans was the voice, as I probably mentioned earlier, of uh, of Armis, and he did uh, a voice in Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Or maybe it wasn't a voice, maybe it was a character. Ezar Hard. Ezar. Hayden in Journey to Oasis and Planet of the Amazon Women. <laughs> I love that there was an episode oh. of Planet of the Amazon Women. Uh, yeah, not for me. Buck not, Rogers. Buck Rogers, not your thing. Never. Well, I, you know, saw it when I was young and never revisited it. I think that's the age difference because I was in the right zone to be enjoying it. And, I, and I'm and i curious what the gen... I think I liked it because it was basically like a TV Star Wars. A lot of action. Oh, he's giving me oh, a what? face. What? He's just, he just nodded off in the middle. Uh, Nodded. TV Star Wars. Um, it's called Star Trek, motherfucker. I will say, I've always said that Gil Gerard, Buck Rogers, was the James Bond of space. He was bedding down women. He, was, he would win in a casino. He was... You should check it out. Oh, if you want some casino winning, you just wait till the second season of Star Trek. Oh, really? Is there yeah. some casino scenes? Anyway, I'm curious. To th- I'm throwing it out there. How many people were into Buck Rogers, or if it's just like if it you was were just into a whole Buck separate... Rogers, Andy would like to talk to you as a friend. I just want to know what the crossover is between He's Star got Trek. No and... one to talk to Buck Rogers about. That's... Talk about Buck Rogers with is more an accurate sentence. Talk with at to about and there in the Buck Rogers century. Okay. All right. Now Picard's there, and shit's really going to start happening. As usual. Therefore, Commander Riker is alive. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Armas has got to have some serious sleep apnea. What No. Not even to protect your own existence. See my people in the shuttle. Entertain me. 
control over what you do with the phaser. Therefore, I would not be the instrument of his death. Perhaps killing the doctor would engender more feeling. No. The control is still yours. And what about you, doctor? Are you ready to die? Tell me you are not afraid. I am afraid. Beg me to spare you. No. One of you is going to die, and you, Doctor, get to choose. You don't like that, do you? No, you don't like it. You know what's interesting that's similar to Q about Armis, unless we were to assume that Q is thinking a lot of things that, that are opposite of what he's saying, mm-hmm. is uh, their reasoning is all over the place. Their logic is all over the place. The things that they seem to be doing to entertain themselves are very chaotic. And I, I don't, I kind of feel like they defeat Armus not through, just through outsmarting him, which is a weird thing. If you scrape off all the evil from a, uh, some beings, yeah, it doesn't add up to me that that wouldn't mean that they were, you know, less sharp. They would just be corrupt. I guess I'm saying evil is smarter. Anyway. But maybe it's the... Uh, maybe because it is so ma- from so many people or mm. from so many beings that it is chaotic. <laughs> it's a lot of dumb people in that pool. I'm just saying, there's like a lot, a lot of, of different, different thoughts. Yeah, you know what? I'll buy that. A lot of different thoughts to convey. You know what? That's really, that's really smart, pal. That's a buy. Yes. Do you have a? Do you have an? I'll buy oh, that. Andy's theories are very <laughs> interesting because he's really smart. Oh, you know what? There's a better one I have for that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> not really standard, but uh, it's appropriate in this situation. Somehow defending a writer's room that had none of that intention. <laughs> to myself. No, you are going to live. One of them dies. Maybe this one, though I would not call it death since he is only a device. Tell me, Tin Man, how does it feel to face your own extinction? You are capable of great sadism and cruelty. Interesting. No redeeming qualities. So, what do you think? I think you should be destroyed. A moral judgment from a machine. Data. It is weird of Data to say that. Yeah. I think you should be destroyed. Hmm. Maybe it's been lore this whole time. <laughs> I think I did. I, I not had that theory yet. I certainly is something that, <laughs> that has crossed my mind. That would really be too many psychopaths on the ship. Too much fun. <laughs> uh, so he burps up Riker. Uh huh. One thing that it did occur to me is they beam Riker up with Armus on him. 
Yeah. Sort of weird. Part of my, like, not remembering how this episode ends, imagined that it would end with Armis and Picard hand-in-hand hand beaming aboard the ship. <laughs> Him kind of just being like, oh, we yeah, found I'm a way. slowly. It did feel like they were, they were really leaning into that he was sort of a, a sad creature. Yeah. Um, Does sadness beget evality? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, th- I think that is the point a little bit, although they certainly say screw you at the end. So him just being alone, up, you know, alone and not like... Yeah, that that's... He was left, he was rejected, he was hurt. Hurt and alone. And that that's where the rage came from. In and the penthouse the of the Trump Tower. Uh-huh. Not even his wife sleeping with him. Yes. Armis decided to run for president. <laughs> right, to get back... At his arch enemy, yes. Barack Picard. Barack Picard, <laughs> Kenya. Barack Hussein. Picard, Picard was born in France. He's not even American. <laughs> well, that probably is true. You can't take that away from Armas. This is between you and me. They may leave. See, I don't know why he would offer that. Because he's found the most interesting man in the galaxy, Jean-Luc Picard. This seems like an exhausting vocal session. <laughs> yes. Good job, Ron Gans. By the way... For which I will trade you lives. I must see my people in the shuttle. Will you give me what I want? No. What's the Universal Translator's deal in this one? <laughs> I assumed that it just spoke English. Uh-huh. It just and yeah. I, made, I made no further. Oh yeah, I buy that. No, excuse me. Oh, I was like bored. yawning. I was yawning and pulling the microphone away, and then talking out of the microphone, and then yawning into the microphone. I had a complete brain reversal of what I should be doing with a microphone. Now uh, you're, you're on the rookie. Uh, is yawning in your own podcast a good <laughs> strategy, or is uh... you know? I think if we had been. If we had gone the right amount of time and, right, and you would have had to redo it, it I would right. have made it without sure. a yawn. So you guys aren't bored at listening. It's just mad. They love it. Yeah. Other than like the we've, seven we've or eight Trump supporters who were listening, who true. were listening to I us. I hope we don't. I, they, we, we did debate. Um, did you just... Burp. <laughs> my, my apologies for everything that's happening, folks. <laughs> just really all shutting down. <laughs> just, that was insane. Like Never you're... have I on a podcast done that in... <laughs> In nearly 10 years. You're turning into Armist. Yes. I don't know what's happening. I'm like, feeling the evil. Like it's that voice. Creature. That voice really makes me have weird reactions. It's like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess it is. Um, I don't know. What were we talking about? Uh, we were talking about Trump supporters listening to this podcast. Oh, yeah. And I wonder what the... Uh, there is one. I what know the we have breakdown one, is. one crossover guy. Who's... I mean, my thought is just this. I, you can't... Uh, you can't like Star Trek and believe in its morality and and be into that kind of uh, it seems ruthless discrimination. And, it seems like a little bit of a, and uh, not the greater good of the planet. Yeah, and that's why I love Battlestar Galactica. And that's why Andy loves Battlestar Galactica. I am a Trump booster. What? No. <laughs> um. What's next? They're going to meet. Uh, Troy and Picard get to chit-chat. We've been monitoring the energy field that surrounds the shuttle. 
When the creature is here, the field weakens. You know why? I will say one thing. They, yes, sir. They, um, he's like, oh, speaking in a hushed tone, and yet it's already been established that Armis can talk directly with Troy when he's when he's when he's enveloped the, the shuttle I don't know it seems a little questionable well I do know mm-hmm. she was filled with rage undirected unfocused rage just when like he confronts it his guard goes down because he's feeling it instead of suppressing it acknowledging his needs makes him vulnerable what caused the rage he was left here, abandoned. The force field will have to drop below 2.7 before we can beam them up. Satisfied. I guess so. Oh, sorry, why am I talking like that? the computer. When the energy level reaches 2.6.205, automatically beam up Troy and Prieto. We'll do a parallel transport on the captain. Yes, Why sir. is that? You say Why you a parallel to... transport? Why doesn't Wesley just beam everybody up? Uh, and what is a parallel transport? It's two different transporter rooms. Uh-huh. Why do, do I do two different ones? Because then you can lock on separately. separately. Why don't they always do that? So you can have success, better success rate. Why is it always... Because Worf wasn't running this shit before. So Tasha Yar was making a mistake every time she was trying to beam everybody up. She ran down to the transporter room and pretended she was Chief O'Brien. I'm so glad we rid ourselves of that bag of dead weight. (laughs) (laughs) I would be shouting that at her hologram if she was telling me what she loved about me. Shall I tell you what true evil is? Tell us. Submit to you. That's right. We surrender our freedom. That's right. Dignity instead of defying you. That's right. And those in there. But you will still be here. In this place. Forever. Alone. Immortal. Stand by for parallel transport. The energy level has dropped to 2.6.3. That's your real fear. Never to die. Never again to be united with those who left you here. Energy field is 2.6. Computer beginning transport. Should we show Ben beaming out? Nah. I'm not taking you anywhere. I'm terrific! Everybody loves me! Many people are saying Sandy Hook was a hoax. Vega 2 will be declared off limits. But the damage has been done. One of the saddest duties I've ever had to perform is now ahead of me. We're here together to honor our friend and comrade, Lieutenant Natasha Yar. Coming to terms with the loss of a colleague is perhaps the most difficult task we must face in the work we have chosen to pursue. We will all find time 
to grieve for her in the days that are ahead. But for now, she has asked that we celebrate her life with this. Before I play it, shouldn't we think about recording that for us right now? What we want to say to people when we're dead? Yeah, we should. <laughs> we could do it in VR now, yeah. too. Uh, Dory, please, uh, I love you, and, and clear my browser history. Omar, <laughs> um, you know where your food is. You've seen me get it. It seems to be your main interest in me. Uh, I hope you're not eating me right now. I hope you're not eating me. Please don't eat me. <laughs> it will be no one to find me for weeks. <laughs> Matt will ring a couple of times and then I'll go, nah, I guess we're not doing it this week. Good. Get back to my other podcast. I'd find you within three days of you being dead. You th- would you? Well, if you weren't at work uh-huh. and we had to do a podcast. You would be the first guy. I'd probably be the first one to pop over. Wow. We really are friends. <laughs> you're my in case of emergency. That's right. That's right, Omar. I'll take you in. Bo might eat you, though. Well, how do you Although how I'm assuming Bo that... With uh, cats? Not great. Uh, Andy okay. and I, if we die, probably die in, together, you know. Sure. Saying Imzadi. Saying Imzadi. <laughs> <laughs> Imzadi! <laughs> anyway, Tasha. We'll die. Well, you know, we would be the guys in the transporter... That are just like, I got, oh, I had lost two of them. <laughs> be us. That was us. <laughs> Hello, my friends. Hello. She you can't hear you. You are here now watching this image of me because I've died. It probably happened while I was on duty. And quickly. Here's what I'm imagining. She, like, looked up on whatever Starfleet equivalent of Google is. Yeah. And was like, what are some cool things to do if you die? Uh-huh. And then, like, she picked, like, this is like a pre-programmed memorial situation. Sure. Where it's like, you can choose this grassy meadow, this blue sky, this uh-huh. blue sky with clouds. Right. You can be transparent. You can be solid. And she probably was like, hmm, I'm going to be transparent and... You know what? Cla- I like clouds. <laughs> now she's Rikers would just be a million different Picard heads floating around. Which is what I expected. Never forget I died doing exactly what I chose to do. Messing what up. What I want you to know is how much I loved my life. And those of you who shared it with me. You are my family. You all know where I came from. And what my life was like before. But Starfleet took that frightened, angry young girl and tempered her. I have been blessed. You're damn right we know what your life was like before you won't stop talking about it. Will Riker, you are the best. It's vague. Very. You trusted me. You encouraged me. And most of all, you made me laugh. Is Will Riker supposed to be the funniest? Deanna. I think so. Trek crew member? I think it was supposed to be Jordy for a while, but then they... Shifted they taught gears. me without ever having to say a word. I realized I could be feminine without losing anything. But Ah, Worf. We are so much alike, you and I. Both warriors. Orphans who found ourselves this family. 
kind of like we I double up I as characters. Eyes wide open. I've always Never. felt one of us was redundant. The fierce devotion comes from within. It can't be Turns banished. out it was from me. <laughs> I have learned to strive for excellence. No matter what the personal cost. Wesley. I'm sorry I won't be able to see you grow into the exceptional man you'll become. I think we both know what I'm saying. But your kindness and innocence are ageless. Jordy. In those moments I felt the most despair. You took my hand and helped me to see things differently. You taught With me a way of going, hey, at least you're not blind. <laughs> Is that true? You see things with the wonder of a Did child. Did you ever encourage her? Or do no. So? That makes you more human than any of us. Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Yes. Oh, I mean. <laughs> I wish I could say you've been like a father to me. But I was occasionally attracted but to I've you. I've never had one, so I don't know what it feels like. But if there was someone in this universe. I could choose to be like someone who I would want to make proud of me. It's you. That's fair. Sure. You who have the heart of an explorer and the soul of a poet. And the body of a 30-year-old. So what? You'll understand when I say death is that state in which one exists only in the memory of others. Which is why it is not an end. No goodbyes. Just good memories. Hailing frequencies closed, sir. That's from our podcast. Au revoir, Natasha. That was a nice touch. Yes. Gathering is concluded. Sir, the purpose of this gathering confuses me. Man. Oops. My thoughts are not for Tasha, but for myself. I keep thinking how empty it will be without her presence. You selfish son of a bitch. Go to the brig. Aye, <laughs> sir. I'm hitting your off button on your side. No, you didn't, Data. You got it. So, is... Isn't that emotion? I don't understand. Yes, it is. Can he feel emotion? I think he just doesn't understand how to process it. Is that what I the... I think he's had it all along. Is that what the mythology says? No. It says he has no emotion. Correct. I think that Dr. Sung was better at programming than he realized. That everyone realizes. So he basically is a tin man. 
from yeah. Wizard right. of Oz. He thinks he can't feel, but he yeah. can't feel. Well, it certainly explained a lot more. Or, once again, Data is just messing with Picard. Oh, my God. I can't believe I... I, I, I yeah, it's like we're off. The, we're just in a void that now. That sounded so weird. We're in a void. I pulled it back up. Oh, thank God. That was terrible. I was, I was about to rush down to the engine room. It was a disaster. That the warp cord Nothing stopped. worse has ever happened in the history of the world. That seems like an no, extreme statement. pretty sure it went quiet for a second there. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's your there's your swan song for Tasha Yar, who is a wonderful character that we will only get to see once a season, sometimes twice a season for the next six years. Now, <laughs> <laughs> now generally speaking, yes, sir. Um, do TNG fans were they broken up when they watched this episode? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'd be interested if if we have any listeners who have been. Uh, who were adult or adolescent Star Trek watchers who have some sort of emotional connection to this episode to write in. I'm really looking for people to write in who were 20 years old mm-hmm. when this episode aired. I'd also be curious if it was... Gen- Did you have a general sense at the time of you knew this was coming? Like it was the word was already out? or I feel like I remember like some Entertainment Weekly... Uh, I'm not entertainment, entertainment tonight story about it or something. I'd be curious. So yeah, feel free to pipe in. Yeah, uh, handling frequencies are open for you guys. That's right. Um, all right, Matt. Yes, sir. It Can't is wait. Time for us to. Oh man. Oh, there we go. Uh, it is time for us to figure out. It's the MVC, yeah, the MVC. Only Matt and Andy know who it's gonna be. Will it be Data, Riker, Troy, or Dr. Crusher? Gotta fill the time with something, at least until season three. What do we think? Put in a chip for Worf right at the top. Sure. I could also argue that it might be Deanna Troy. That's also valid. She's, yeah, she's the one who really puts together the pieces. And gets to the bottom of it, and Picard can't solve it until he talks to her. You know, you could also argue, if you were going to accept for a second that uh, he was not acting to kill Tasha Yar, um, that Wesley is kind of the one who's... You know, finding all the information that Worf is reporting to Picard. Seems like a stretch. Yeah. This is a tough one. This yeah. is a tough one because the episode is essentially about nothing. Um, <laughs> like Seinfeld. Uh, I feel like I'm leaning toward Deanna. You know what? I feel like she's not going to get many of these, so let's give it to her. Deanna, Deanna Troy. Troy. You are our most valuable crew member. Congratulations. Check your mail. <laughs> um, you know what we should do at the end of the run is uh, give most valuable crew member for the series. Oh, yeah. It'll be interesting. I'm sure it'll be. I'm living I'm in a sure fantasy world where we get to the Data end of the series. Or Not Picard? Data or Picard. It's going to be one of those two, I think. Yeah. 
Data's been light on his MVCs this oh, season. Oh, you just wait. It's the late season, gonna happen. my friend. Okay. The Andy. Or some other method of ranking. We're working on it. So, overall, I would say um, for all the flaws of the episode, um, it keeps moving. And uh, I like that it has a very strong antagonist. And I... For some of the silliness of the effect, although I like the concept of the sludge, yeah, um, I feel like the uh, the the personality of the sludge is interesting and enigmatic, and I kind of do want to know what the deal is with it. And I like the interaction. I love how how Troy's manipulating him, um, and I like that they just kill Tasha right out of the gate, and then they got to deal with it. Um, oh. So. I like it more than you would think when it kind of holds together. So I think I would give it a five. Wow. Yeah. You know what? I'm knocking it down to a four and a half. I thought you were going to give it a four. No. Straight up a four, which is what I'm going to give it. Four. I'm going to give it a four. It would have a three if it didn't have such a major plot move Plot move for the series. Yeah. So it is getting a four. I think the performances are very good. Denise Crosby is very likable in this episode. Yeah. Um, you know what? Uh, I'm going to miss her. I'm going to miss her for the next for the next few, however many episodes it is until she pops back. I actually think not until season three. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. You know, we're almost rounding out the, the end of this season, Matt. Matt's been talking about uh, maybe taking a little hiatus just to prepare you guys emotionally. Yeah, I've been talking about it, but, you know, if I know me, I can't take breaks. Right. I mean, he's such a workaholic, this guy. can't stop working. Certainly complains about it. Constantly. uh, Constantly complaining. But uh, he does keep working, nonetheless. (laughs) He's got got another series of sidekick coming out. Oh, yeah. So much is happening. He's got, uh, he's going to be doing more James Bonding. He's got, uh, what's the other thing? The, uh, the the Toxality? Are you still doing Toxality? Toxality, new episode coming out Wednesday, if you're listening to this Monday. Um, uh, Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. Yep. And uh, and I am... Uh, I got nothing. Just a <laughs> sad man looking forward to playing Star Trek Bridge Crew. I do do uh, improv uh, every week at Soundtrack at uh, UCB Franklin in Los Angeles. And uh, every first Saturday of the month, please check out The Swarm at 9 every first Saturday of the month um, at uh, UCB Sunset. And you can also see Andy sometimes on the Sony lot walking around. Yeah, I mean, uh, stop either of us. And just, just say, what do you want them to say? Now? I just want them to say, uh, sorry to have bothered you. Jordy uh, <laughs> uh, is a mechaphile. Just, yeah. just say that. Just to say us. it. We'll yeah. know what that we'll means. Know. We'll know. It's our little code word. We should come up with a code or a handshake. Um, you know thank what, you Andy? Guys. Why don't you work on that? I'm, I'm going to spend I'm gonna, all I'm this weekend. It should probably have some kind of uh, Vulcan peace sign, but uh, that should incorporate something from TNG. I can't think. I don't know if I know enough of the... I wonder if the Klingons do anything. You know, Worf didn't... Oh, there's an alert. Oh, I don't know what to do. Oh. Is it one of these buttons? Oh. 
Did somebody... It's interesting how the alert has stayed the same for a hundred years. It's really piercing. Ugh. Tactical alert. Vessel approaching. Bearing 184 Mark 7. This is super bad news. <laughs> I do not like this. This is exactly... Oh, uh, is, it, is that transporter? No, it says that's tractor beam, I think. I think I'm being held on a tractor beam. I think I've been taken by the Romulans. Oh, disengage. Am I back? Oh, I thought I was getting out of there. Uh, that's a sweet sound. I guess I'm just going to lie down on the bridge. Does, uh, let me look in here. Does Captain Picard's ready room have a bed? Unable to comply. Thank you, computer. <laughs> All right, let's go home. <laughs> Bye, folks. Just hitting more buttons than I wanted to. Nope. <laughs> it's like a bonus track. <laughs> If you listen to the end, you got the meta bonus track where you could hear such sounds as TNG Turbo Lift 1 <laughs> or TNG Turbo Lift starts moving. Somebody's sitting in their car right now going, oh, just finish. I got to get to work. We also hear TNG Warp 3. Also, TNG Warp 6. And everybody's favorite, TNG Transporter 1. Help, 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 help.